Coming up, how the Vikings could take a page out of the Chiefs and Eagles blueprint during the draft, plus a look at the NFC North with the Bears and Lions set to have multiple premium picks. It's all coming up next on the Football Draft Edition of the Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, it's Tuesday again today. That means I'm taking over. We're getting mm-hmm. into our weekly draft edition of the Football Party. I do want to talk about this blueprint the Eagles and the Chiefs have kind of laid out for the rest of the league and how the Vikings could do the same in this copycat league that we live in now. We also, we got to talk about what's going on when the Chicago Bears try to trade that number one overall pick and the Lions, what are they doing with their two first round picks? In fact, five picks in the top 80. But first, remember every day I'm posting that new poll over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page. So go smash that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. By the way, so close to hitting 5,000 subscribers. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at LockdownMIN. Yesterday, Sam, here's what I did. I posed this question. After watching the Chiefs win it all this year, the Eagles win the NFC. Chiefs, by the way, they've gone to two Super Bowls in the past four seasons. They've gone to five straight AFC championships, which in my opinion is the wildest part about just their run, the longevity and the consistency. I asked fans, which part of their team would you like to see on the Vikings in 2023? Four options. Here was option number one, pay cheap running backs. Remember both teams won with cheap running backs. We talk about all the time how it's kind of tough to pay a guy like Dalvin Cook nearly 15 mil in today's day and age. Well, the Chiefs rolled with Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round rookie, and Jarek McKinnon. We all remember that name. In fact, the one time they did use a first rounder, it turned out to be a bust. Clyde Edwards-Solaire from LSU three seasons ago. Meanwhile, the Eagles, they got the more commonly used three-man rotation running back by committee going on with Miles Sanders, who I'll say, okay, that's a somewhat early pick of the bunch. He was a second rounder, but then you got Boston Scott, you got Kenneth Gainwell. So that's option one. Maybe the Vikes trade Cook, clear all that money they desperately need, let Madison walk. They would get a comp pick back next year, too, for that. They roll with Ken A, Ty Chandler. Maybe they draft another day three rookie. And Sam, now that we've heard the latest news about Dalvin Cook, his latest shoulder surgery, what's your thoughts on paying an aging running back that kind of money and just the Vikings' plans for Dalvin Cook moving forward after what we know? You and I are of the same mind on this, Luke Inman. We are in the don't pay a running back camp. And that doesn't detract from what Dalvin Cook has done in his career, but the writing is on the wall, people. You've got 
six or seven big contracts that you've got to evaluate, would you really rather keep Dalvin Cook over someone like Adam Thielen or Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter? Like These are the choices that you have to make, and there's just no comparison when you stack those players up against each other. And then you look across the league and you see the types of athletes that are on these teams that are second and third string running backs and how productive they can be. I don't think there's a question. Uh, We saw Ty Chandler in the preseason tear it up. I mean, over the course of a full year, it's hard to believe that there's going to be such a drastic difference between a young, cheap running back and Dalvin Cook that it's going to really influence wins and losses, especially when you consider that you can take those $14 million, or I guess they save $8 million from Dalvin Cook and reallocate that money elsewhere. Um, so the shoulder surgery notwithstanding, that doesn't really change my mind about anything. I guess maybe if he's getting it fixed, maybe that that prevents him from having a reoccurrence of the injury. Again, it seems like he's had this lingering for a long time. Um, but But again, I still feel the same way. I just think that And it's unfortunate. You'd love to have him. He's a luxury. But of all those big contracts, this is just the easiest one, I think, to swallow and say, yeah, we're going to go the cheap route. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, in the NFL, there's this thing. It's called the salary cap. You only get so much money to play with. This isn't MLB and baseball where big market teams especially can just hand out these blank checks and pay as much as they want. Teams have to cut corners somewhere on their roster eventually. And as the Eagles and Chiefs just showed us, cutting corners at this running back position isn't the end of the world. In fact, just from an efficiency standpoint, it may be the first position you look at when you do have to save some money. Option two, Upgrade the offensive line, both the Eagles and Chiefs. I mean, they just live for building their trenches, specifically the offensive line. Howie Roseman constantly finding just legitimate starters on day two of the draft. And the Chiefs, we talked about this yesterday in the football party. Go check out that episode. They found two diamonds in the rough with Trey Smith, six-round guard, and Creed Humphrey. He was the last pick in the second round. Dude was a pro bowler his rookie year. So obviously getting Kirk Cousins, a true pocket passer, that clean protection is a must. Option three on the poll build a top 10 defense now I know the Chiefs weren't top 10 in a variety of categories but they did have a great defensive line once again they nailed their draft with these not so much high ceiling guys but safer high floor guys like George Karloftis Trent McDuffie defensive back from Washington and the Eagles on the other hand they had the number one pass defense in the NFL which was bred by the number one pass rush in the league as well obviously a huge catalyst for their success final option i know it feels like an obvious one but just getting elite play from your quarterback and i don't think it necessarily means having an elite flashy big name superstar quarterback exactly or you know a former top five overall pick for example what i more was trying to put out there and say maximizing whichever quarterback you do put on the field and help elevate his play to an elite level where you've got a clear-cut top five top six kind of guy because we always talk about kirk as this borderline top 10 guy some people have him near the middle of the pack some have him just inside the top 10 if it was kirk in 2023 then how do you get him to raise his play to the next level and play like a top tier elite quarterback next season here were the results this surprised me a little bit because once i put it out there i figured everyone would just pick the elite quarterback as you know their top elite quarterback came in not only not first not second it came in third you want to take a guess 
what the first and second options were? Well, I know the results, so oh. spoiler alert. Um, and I was stunned by them. I was stunned by them by exactly what you said, that elite quarterback play was not only not first, but a distant third. Give them the results. Give them number one and two. Nearly half the vote, Sam. The people want a top 10 defense. They're sick of it. They're on the Flores hype train now. These people are smart, all right? They understand to go on a Super Bowl-type run, having a top-tier defense in December and January, mm -hmm. it's a prerequisite. And 48% of the listeners want to build this defense back up to not just adequate or we can get by with, you know, middle of the pack. They want this to be a legitimate strength of the team. Second place was upgrading the offensive line, 31%. That surprised me quite a bit as well. Fourth place, only 7%. Paying cheap money to your running backs. Honestly, that would have been near the top of my voting because you look at, again, the last 15 Super Bowl winners – not one of them paid their starting running back more than $2.5 million base salary. I just think that speaks volumes with me. The money is just better used elsewhere, like the defense, and you can always, always, always find legitimate, serviceable tailbacks on day two and day three. That's just what history shows us. That's the track record. So the teams that are still paying one workhorse back nowadays, seven, eight, 10, 12, let alone 14 and a half mil like the Vikings are with Cook, I think those days are just in the past now because this new model shows us it's almost impossible to win the whole thing, to hoist the Lombardi with all your money tied up in such a, I guess I'll call it a watered-down position nowadays. So there you have it. Remember, every day, posting a new poll over there on that Locked On Minnesota YouTube community page. Go smash the follow button. Go put in your vote and go comment. Let us know what you think. All right. Coming up, we're getting into the Vikings draft day plans and how to take a page out of the Eagles and Chiefs blueprint, plus a look at the early picks the rest of the NFC North has. But first, a word from our friends over at FanDuel. More trade scenarios coming up after I tell you about FanDuel. It's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party, America's number one sportsbook. Download the app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57. FanDuel allows you to bet money lines, point spreads, and player props. It's safe, secure, and easy to use, and you get your winnings instantly. Join FanDuel today, fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Sam. So you look at how these two Super Bowl teams were built and how the Vikings can just learn a thing or two this upcoming offseason. I see two teams that first and foremost, like I said, built through the trenches. Talked about their success drafting offensive linemen, their ability to hit on guys like Chris Jones and Jordan Davis on the other side, and more so their ability to recognize a failure and weakness when they miss. Go fix that need in the offseason with a big trade, perhaps. Chiefs needed a pass rusher. They didn't find one in the draft, what they do, they made a move for Frank Clark. Eagles, Howie Roseman, they swing and miss on Jalen Rager, passed up on Justin Jefferson. What do they do? They don't sulk about it. They go trade for A.J. Brown the next offseason. You have to recognize your team's deficiencies and mistakes, and you got to move on as a GM in front office, I think, as quickly as possible. You just can't sit there and dwell and try to hope a player just magically transforms into something he's clearly not. Howie missed on Jalen Rager, and after two seasons, he cut bait. 
on his first round pick. I mean, that's incredible just self-awareness and just taking ownership of your mistakes. So when we look at this draft coming up, and obviously free agency always plays a big part in this, but where do you stand with the Vikings trench play as it stands now? Because as much as we talk about maybe going cornerback in the first round, Brian Flores in Miami, he actually used his first-round pick on a defensive lineman more times than not, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins in 2019 and 2021. And after watching the Eagles and Chiefs, what direction or game plan do they need to go in in the draft when addressing their trench play? Where are you at right now? Where do you stand on the Vikings' offense and defensive lines? Well, the way that they've addressed the offensive line is kind of like the Eagles have, where they've gone after those guys high in the draft. The Chiefs just find them everywhere. The Chiefs get them day one, day two, day three, and they hit it. They they nail it. The Chiefs are unbelievable at drafting. Eagles went the, the high draft route, and so have the Vikings. Look at the way they constructed this line. Derisaw first round, Cleveland second, Bradbury first, Ingram second, O'Neal second. All right, there's your line. You're probably losing Bradbury, so you got to find a replacement there. Maybe it's John Michael Schmitz, but... I, I'm I'm into that. Like I'm into the high offensive linemen. It is such a crapshoot to find them later in the draft unless you're incredibly lucky or skilled. Um, I think that's a good approach. Now, this is a year where they've only got that one pick in the first two rounds. So you have to use it very wisely. And maybe you take a different approach to it. But in general, I like that um, on offense. Now, now, defense, I think, you can find some edge rushers in those middle rounds. The Vikings have had a lot of success doing that over the years. And let's be honest, Luke, of Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, I think we agree we'd like them back. That They both might be back this year, not a guarantee. Um, but they're probably not going to be both around long-term. They may have to choose one at some point. And I think it'd be Daniil Hunter. But they're not going to have those dual edge rushers forever. They're losing Dalvin Tomlinson most likely. They don't have a real stalwart in the interior. So I think they actually badly need to add to their defensive side of the trenches. There's a lot of those interior defensive linemen that are kind of flexible early in this draft. We're going to talk about a couple of them here. Um, but I think they need edge depth too. DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones don't strike me as players that are going to be extended on this team. I think they play out their contracts and move on. And in DJ Wanham's case, that's in his final year right now. So I think that, that this team actually badly needs to add to that rotation. And as good as some of those performances were last year, Luke, on that, on that line, there's still left something to be desired. They were not impacting the game and wrecking football games like the Eagles, for instance, did. And the Eagles, that's another team. I mean, they just keep making commit like Landon Dickerson, mm -hmm. Milton Williams, Jordan Davis, you know, they absolutely. Yeah. They go after the trenches uh, with reckless abandon. Yeah, Quasey's in a really tough spot when you look at this interior offensive line. Obviously, got the two stalwarts, the two bookends on the outside. But first of all, I don't even know if they're going to be able to bring back Garrett Bradbury if they want to. And if you don't, then you almost pigeonhole yourself into taking John Michael Schmitz, for example, the gopher center you brought up with your very first pick. And that's just not something that... It just doesn't really get fans jacked up or excited, to be honest. Even though we love this guy as a prospect from what we've seen so far on tape and what we saw at the Senior Bowl. Then what's really troubling 
is you just used a second round pick on a guard in Ed Ingram. And, you know, he showed some flashes. That was clear. A ways away yet, Sam, from being like a dependable, consistent starter, if ever. Like, we still don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you just don't know right now what you're getting with Ed Ingram next year, two years down the road. So if you really go back to the well and use another early pick on a guard, you're basically admitting, hey, we messed up. But again, that goes back to the blueprint, Howie Roseman laid out when he cut bait with Jalen Rager and moved on so quickly. You can't be afraid to adapt and right your wrongs because if you wait too long, it may be too late. Like the Kirk Cousins Super Bowl window, for example, may have come and gone, and now you're left rebuilding the whole thing from square one again. Steve Avila, TCU, I know I brought him up a couple times. I just think he's a perfect fit for how the Vikings are built. Mm-hmm. He's a bulldozer with outstanding anchor just to sit these guys down. I watched it all week at the Senior Bowl practice at the line of scrimmage, and he gives a guy like Kirk Cousins this clean interior pocket we know Cousins thrives in. I think somewhere in that 60 to 80 range is kind of a sweet spot if the Vikings were able to say trade down a few spots in round one or even all the way out and grab an extra second and third round pick of Villa John Michael Schmitz two guys I'm really enamored with right now for this offense and that would leave you feeling good about your protection moving forward for the next handful of years with O'Neal Darison Ezra Cleveland kind of as those pillars of that unit defensive side of the ball real quick you kind of touched on it we all know Zadarius and Hunter I mean, they got the goods when they're healthy. I mean, they can be the guys that help your pass rush finish as a top 10 unit, if not even top five. I mean, they're that good at their peak. But I look at the Eagles defensive line, and it just wasn't one or two guys. It was this massive rotation from the run stuffers on first and second down. Limval, Nandamakan Sue, Jordan Davis, the first-round rookie. Then you got the pass rushers who come in on third down. Brandon Graham, Asan Reddick, trading for Robert Quinn, Javon Hargraves, et cetera, et cetera. list just goes on and on. So I think based off that model, the Vikings and Brian Flores, they just need more bodies, Sam. They just need more fresh legs, younger athletic guys to mold. And right now they got Tomlinson if they re-sign him, which I think they do, Harrison Phillips, Mm. and that's about it. Like, Sam, they had 10 draft picks last year. They drafted one defensive lineman in those 10 picks, and that was Aceze in the fifth round. But that's about as polar opposite as this Super Bowl blueprint both these teams kind of laid out for the rest of the league. I mean, Tonga, he was a nice surprise as the first, second down run stopper. But like James Lynch, probably not a guy who strikes fear in you. Jonathan Bullard, Ross Blacklock aren't really either. So I think as much as we talk about drafting a quarterback in round one, I think adding not just one, but you got to get multiple guys in this draft to the defensive line. That's just an absolute must. And Quasey should look to draft those guys early and often from here on out, not just this year, but the Eagles and Chiefs. They've been doing it year after year consistently because you've got two guys right now that you can call starting caliber linemen on the roster as far as the interior goes. That's it. And one of them is a pending free agent in Tomlinson. That's just not enough, Sam. Like, just plain and simple. Eagles had nine guys in that rotation and all of them were high-end players with maybe unique specific skill sets in their identified role oh we talk about pittsburgh defensive tackle kalaji clancy a lot last week game wrecker on the inside undersized i know he's small but 
ultra quick, violent hands, uses that kind of short stature almost to his advantage, wins with his pad level, disrupts the timing of the quarterback on a consistent basis, always in the backfield. That's who I'd really love to see if they do stay put at pick 23. Another guy we need to start discussing is Clemson's Brian Brzee. This guy, if you looked at mock drafts last year, he was going in the top five. Not top 10, not top 20, top five. He was a game changer. Five-star recruit coming out of high school, highly coveted. Then he tears his ACL in 2021, only plays four games. Okay, that happens. Then this year only plays nine games after kind of a weird, fluky kidney issue. And then on top of it all, he suffered a tragic death in his family. His 15-year-old sister died from brain cancer. And, you know, after that, he was just never really the same on the field. So teams are going to look into that as far as just where he's at mentally, emotionally right now after obviously a traumatic event. But no question, he's one of the top defensive tackles in the class. And nobody's really talking about him. And as of late... I'm just not seeing a lot of chatter about him going in the top 10, top 15 anymore. He seems to be getting kind of lost in the weeds. So every year, Sam, I watch at least one big name, if not two, fall way further than they should on draft night. He feels like a guy that right now could be available at pick 23. And if he was, I think you just got to sprint up to the podium, cash in your ticket. He could be the steal of round one if he does fall to those low 20s. Not to mention, obviously, fills a huge need for the Flores defense as well. Thoughts on Clancy? I know we talked about him last <laughs> week. Brzee specifically, those two. And just in general, copying this Eagles Chiefs blueprint you got to stock this defensive line rotation mm-hmm. up. Is it a necessity like I'm making it out to sound? Or is it more of a luxury with just so many other needs and obviously so few picks that Kwesi has at hand this year? Yeah, I I see Brissy. I see Brissy. And he's a guy where you're betting on his tools, not his production. Would you say that's accurate? Because 100%. He, he hasn't played that many snaps. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of kind of a rotational guy, dealt with injuries, which reduced his snaps as well. Didn't have big sack numbers whatsoever. Um, but you're gambling that he's going to stay healthy and that just his body type is going to carry him. Now, like it seems like the knocks on him are kind of like he doesn't really know how to do a lot of unique pass rushing moves, but he has great strength. Okay, so can your coaches at the next level take your physical tools and strength and teach you how to be a little more athletic, how to beat these offensive linemen at a pro level? Um, so that's probably why he's not as sexy of a prospect, right? Because he doesn't have like a 12 sack season you can go off of where he just mauled people. But remember, neither did Daniel Hunter. It doesn't always require you to be a big production guy, um, but you need to be well coached and you need to be hungry and you need, to, you need to have sort of that football IQ piece to you. So that's a complicated prospect to break down. But I am seeing those first round grades on him. Like clearly, if you are that highly regarded without really doing that much in college football, uh, you must have something good going for you. No, you're totally right, dude. Obviously doesn't have the production, and that's going to scare a lot of teams off in the top 10, top 12, top 15. So there is a legitimate world where he does slide down to the Vikings, perhaps. But this is the number one high school recruit defensive tackle coming out. Number one in the country. The potential, I mean, we're still scratching the surface with this guy. And then you add in the injuries and everything else. Yeah, as of late, the stock is pointing down for sure. It's just, you know, not what you want from a first-round pick to 
feel good about sleeping at night after round one. But you go back to even his freshman year. He comes in. He's awarded All-American Freshman of the Year. He's got four sacks, six quarterback hits, 16 quarterback hurries. And that's as a freshman at Clemson. Not like a Division II school or, you know, even a, a Minnesota. Clemson, I mean, he's fighting for playing time with a lot of other premium talent in the country. So that's interesting, too. There's other guys, too, on the defensive line we like. Siaki Ika from Baylor, Keanu Benton, one's a nose, one's a pass rusher, but both just highly talented players in their own regards. Both players, maybe after a trade down, could be great value. But at 23, just sitting here today, Sam, I love Cansey, Breezy. If you feel like the offensive line is the way to go, on the other hand, I love trading back, getting some extra picks, maybe get your second rounder back from the Hawkinson deal and drafting the local legend. How about Schmitz? He takes over at center for Bradbury. And maybe a round or two later, you pair him up with Steve Avila from TCU. He helps that interior protection for Kirk Cousins. Multiple ways to go is the point. This is the draft. It's fluid. You got to have plan A, plan B, plan C ready if you're Quasi, pending how the board falls on draft weekend. But I think we both agree. I've got got something for you. I don't want it to get away. I've got a stat. Stat boy. Stat Luke. You know what? What do you got? Hey, I think think it even deserves this thing. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Luke Inman, let me tell you something. Have you ever looked at the Vikings draft history and looked at how many whiffs they have? Um, I went back eight years. So this is totally arbitrary, but I looked at every player they've drafted since 2015 and I calculated how many of them have not played 10 games in the league. I'm calling that a whiff. And, and you're say? starting at like maybe the best Vikings draft of all time, by the way. If you started at yep. 2016, for example, I'm sure these numbers might look even worse because that was the Trey Waynes, Kendricks, Hunter, Stefan Diggs draft in 2015 as well. Continue. Correct. Um, so a couple clarifiers. Number one, this list or this this tally includes last year and not all the guys played 10 games and that's because they're rookies and that's okay. All right. So that take that into account. Total, 25 Vikings players since 2015 that they've drafted haven't played 10 games in the league. Now, that includes guys like, like, so a Daniel Carlson, for instance, he didn't play 10 games on the Vikings, but he did play more than 10 games in the league. So that, that counts. I'm not discounting Daniel Carlson. These are guys that legitimately, with the Vikings or any other team, did not play 10 games in the league. Marcus Epps, we just watched in the Super yeah. Bowl, former Mar- Vikings Marcus safety Epps. out of Wyoming. That counts. He was a good productive player in the league. So clearly the Vikings made a good call with that pick. They just didn't, you know, value him uh, right away. So 25 whiffs, you could say, in the last eight years for the Vikings. Guess how many whiffs the Chiefs have in that time? So the Vikings had 25. Obviously, we know how well the Chiefs have drafted as of late. I'll say, let's cut it in half. Let's start there. 12 or 13? The Chiefs have six. Wow. Six guys that weren't productive enough to play 10 games in the league. One of them was a rookie last year, so we'll forgive him. Uh, Two of them were second-year players, Joshua Gaindo and Cornell Powell from last year. Um, And then you got to go all the way down to 2017 to find another one, Leon McQuay, a sixth-round pick. 
Uh, and then Kevin Hogan, who was a Stanford backup quarterback who just didn't have a didn't have a lot of chances to play. Sure. But and then you know in 2015, uh, you got a couple more. But the Chiefs rip off just real quick. Rip players. off ten seconds. Rip off some of the like day two, day three picks that kind of fly under the radar a little bit, but obviously are the glue right of, of the cracks of those rosters that helped them go on this crazy run the last five years. Yeah. No, that's great. Um. So just running down the list here. So like 2016, Eric Murray, he was a pretty productive mm-hmm. player there for a while. Um, Legereus Sneed, mm-hmm. fourth round defensive back. He's played 41 games for them. He's been in a lot of big situations. Um, Noah Gray has been a depth tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this past year, Jalen Watson played 16 games as a seventh round defensive back. I mean, that, that's just grazing the surface of what the Chiefs have produced under Andy Reid. They find guys middle, early, late, and they turn them into players. They find a role. And the Vikings just have a, just a lot of whiffs over the years where you've gotten to the point where you kind of don't even pay attention to the day three guys as much because you figure, well, best case scenario, they make the practice squad. But the Chiefs, they expect them to contribute. It's a crazy difference. Yeah, Nick Bolton. He led the league over 180 tackles this year, Sam. They found him on day two. Talk about all the time. I love waiting on linebacker until day two. I just think, like running back, it's just a position where you can just find some of these guys on day two and day three, and they turn out to be really solid. Nick Bolton, another one. Really interesting. Glad you brought that up. I don't know if we can truly answer this, But when you talk about just the lack of success the Vikings have had in the draft over the last six, seven, eight years, do you think it's more scouting, the GM, the draft board, the actual picks themselves? Or, because like you mentioned, guys like Marcus Epps, Daniel Carlson, and others are thriving on other teams. Do you think it's the coaching development that just wasn't right? I'm sure it's a mix of both and somewhere in the middle. But if you had to pick one or the other, just knowing what you know after looking back at those drafts, which way yep. would you lean? I think the Mike Zimmer regime discriminated against rookies a little bit in that if they weren't perfect, if they weren't technically perfect, they would not play. Mm-hmm. The regime favored veterans um, and to the point where they were sitting first round picks for two years. Right? How how often did we see that? Like they would put in even as someone like Stefan Diggs, ah, he's got to start the year on the bench. Daniel Hunter's going to start the year as a rotational player. We're not going to start him. Kind of a stubbornness with these guys. And what happens, Luke? Like if you're, let's say you're not a first round pick, let's say you're a fifth round pick. If you sit on a roster for two years and aren't given a chance, you become damaged goods. It's hard for you to latch on anywhere if you have that on your resume. And I think that's probably inhibited the careers of some guys who sat in Minnesota, bided their time, waited for an opportunity, maybe had to get cut you know, like in a roster move, and then just weren't able to latch on anywhere else. I think that probably restricted the progress of a lot of young guys. No, very well said. All right, let's transition over to the division as a whole because here's the deal, Sam. This is a huge draft coming up that's going to shape the NFC North for years to come because the Chicago Bears currently hold the number one overall pick. 
The Detroit Lions are picking twice in the first round, once at six, another at 18. They got five picks in the first 80 selections. And the Packers, nobody's really talking about this. If they were to trade Aaron Rodgers, you got to assume they would have multiple first-round picks as well. Meanwhile, the Vikings, <laughs> womp, 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 womp. Five picks, Sam. No nope. second-rounder. I mean, unless they make a trade, they'll have to wait from pick 23 all the way to pick 88. It's not a great situation for the Vikings when you look at the lack of draft capital they have. And then, of course, teams like Ryan Poles and the Bears, the Lions, and possibly the Packers as well, how much ammo they're going to have going into draft night. Let's start at the top, though, with Ryan Poles, because normally this number one pick, it's almost always reserved for a quarterback. Well, the Bears are rolling with Justin Fields, as they should, in my opinion. He's shown enough to warrant that decision. So Ryan Poles is going to be the most popular guy in town on draft weekend because everyone's going to be kicking down the door trying to get up to that number one spot to grab one of these top quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. And you just look at this from a pure supply and demand. You've got the Texans, Colts, Panthers. They all have to take a quarterback in the top 10. Then a handful of wild card teams like the Jets, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Saints – those are all teams who could trade up for a new young signal caller as well. And then below them, you even got teams like the Seahawks, the Lions, the Titans, the Commanders. They could all be looking for their next young kid to groom as well. Dude, that's like half the league I just named. I mean, it's insane. So yeah. Ryan Poles, I know, doesn't want to trade out of the top five because he wants to make sure he lands either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, two blue-chip defenders, or else you go through you know, kind of this big drop-off in talent. So my question is, as a Viking fan, Sam, what do you hope the Bears do with that first pick? And also, I guess I just named half the league in the market for a quarterback. Should the Vikings be in that list as well as they plan for life after Kirk Cousins, who as of now will be a free agent in one more season? The answer to that question is no. The Vikings don't have the flexibility asset-wise to give up future firsts. I mean, they, they just to move up that far, the cost that that would require, that would inhibit your rebuilding plan so badly that I would not be in favor of it. I mean, but if I, you I, hit on one, it would mask a lot of those problems. We know one good quarterback can alleviate a lot of other problems. Those kind of go to the wayside a little mm -hmm. bit. But I'm playing devil's advocate. Of course, I hear what you're saying. Maybe not the draft yeah. to do it with so little ammo, sitting with pick 23. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate your devil's advocacy as well. I think that there's there's such a risk involved. It would be so gutsy, and you'd have mm -hmm. to be so sure. But going after someone like a Young or a Stroud, it's probably a, a better gamble than other years. Let's just put it that way. Um, I think as a Vikings follower, the most comfortable thing that could happen would be that the Bears just use the pick and not on a quarterback, right? That's what you want them to do because you don't want them to get a, a, a generational QB. Like even if they did try to replace Fields, I think that would still be, there'd be an element of, uh-oh, did the Bears just find the guy? I think there's still question whether Fields is the guy. He can run really well, but he also takes a million sacks and has no weapons in the passing game right now. So we don't know how he is as a passer. Um, I think the logical thing is for them to trade the pick. Now, if they trade the pick, Vikings fans are, again, crossing their fingers. Please not in the NFC. Please not in the NFC. Please do it outside of the, outside of the conference. Because right now, Luke, as it stands, Kirk Cousins might be a top two or three quarterback in this conference. Think about it. Brady is gone. 
Rodgers is likely traded or retired. Brock Purdy is hurt. Dak Prescott regressed a lot this year. Matthew Stafford regressed a lot this year. Kyler Murray is hurt. Like, who is a threat to to Kirk Cousins in the NFC right now besides Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are, there's them, huge gap, Kirk Cousins and a couple others, another huge gap. The NFC is so quarterback needy um, that inevitably a couple of them will get rookies, but you hope that if the Bears deal that pick, it's outside of the NFC. Uh, you make so many great points. This is not the year probably for the Vikings to try to move up, trade the farm to go find that next young quarterback. You already don't have a lot of draft picks to start. You're picking at 23. Again, pure supply and demand. You're going to be in a bidding war with a lot of, not just one team, a lot of other teams. But I will say just in general, Kwesi and KOC, They'd be foolish if they're not looking long and hard at drafting a quarterback every year, in my opinion, because what we just talked about the first 15 minutes of the show, the Eagles and Chiefs blueprint. You got to keep swinging at quarterbacks in this league. The Vikings have drafted four quarterbacks in the first round since 1980. Four first-round quarterbacks in 42 years. That's less than one a decade. That's insane. Like, stop it. Just stop. Finding the next guy in line to replace Kirk Cousins shouldn't just be an afterthought. It's too important of a position to just say, uh, well, we'll worry about it next year. But I do understand out of all the years this year, it's unlikely just because of the lack of ammo and assets that they have. But I think you got to get your guy in your system now. Start grooming them in, developing them, getting them acclimated with your playbook, et cetera, and then re-gloss over the Cousins and his contract next offseason and just see where he's at. Go from there. And I know guys like Young, Stroud, Levis, they're going to be long gone and more than likely probably Anthony Richardson from Florida too. But there's still one more guy I'm really falling in love with early on here in this process. The dude from Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. I know I brought him up already, but I get it. He's old. He'll be 25. He's coming off an ACL. But that's probably the only reason he could still even be there at 23. Maybe you don't even have to trade the farm and move up. That would just be a, a gift from the draft gods because any other draft, or if he was healthy, or let's say he was 21 or 22 years old instead, I think he'd be a locked top 10 pick any day of the week. So I know that's a conversation for another day, but I, I just think we as just a fan base got to start thinking about warming up to the idea of taking more swings on the next young quarterback for the future and follow that Eagles and Chiefs blueprint because Jalen Hurts was no sure thing. And look at how they developed him. They surrounded him with talent. Every team had a chance to draft Jalen Hurts. They didn't, including the Vikings. Patrick Mahomes was far from a lock when the Chiefs drafted him in 2017 after Mitch Trubisky, after Deshaun Watson. Why can't the Vikings do something similar and start grooming the next guy in line, start taking those gambles? That's all I'm trying to say here, Sam. And if Hendon yeah. Hooker, if he's even there at 23, I just think that would be an ideal guy to play in a KOC offense with guys like Jefferson, Hawkinson, KG Osborne, maybe Dalvin Cook, etc. And I'd really love to start thinking about that idea as we move forward into April and get closer to the draft. But back to the Bears here. Look, as a Viking fan, you nailed it, Sam. That's the dream scenario. The teams like the Texans, the Colts, the Panthers, they realize they're just bidding themselves up. They get together and say, let's not drive the price up on one another and let's force the Bears to stay put and draft a guy at number one. That's the dream. The Bears can't get a deal done. Ryan Poles misses out on a huge opportunity to stockpile extra draft picks. He's forced to take Will Anderson 
or Jalen Carter there at number one. The next best thing, I think, would to see them trade down maybe one or two spots too far. Let's say to seven to the Raiders, nine to the Panthers, and miss out on either Anderson or Carter. Because I promise you, you do not want either of those guys in the division for the next 10 years. They are can't-miss blue chip prospects they're game changers so ryan poles maybe getting too greedy missing out on them after a big trade down that would be plan b as far as just the ideal dream scenario here for vikings fans uh real quick as we wrap up how about the lions Mm -hmm. they got pick six pick 18 they're loaded again crushed last year's draft what don't you want to see as a vikings fan when it comes to the lions using all that early ammo yeah lions could be loaded man I mean, that offense is already pretty scary. Imagine if they added one more pass catcher Mm. to a healthier Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown. That offense could be top 10 in the league. But then on the other hand, the defense is what held them back. I mean, they're they're having the same conversation as the Vikings are having um, about the Vikings defense holding them back. Well, the Lions were right in that same boat. The Lions could have been a double-digit win team with even a respectable defense. So if they just add to that secondary group, um, again, I don't know if that helps them this year as much as, say, a wide receiver would. Like, a wide receiver could make them really dangerous this year, regardless of how bad the defense is. Um, But long-term, you worry about them figuring out that defense. I still don't know if Goff is their guy long-term. Like, I wonder if they've almost tricked themselves into saying he is, and I think that's a mistake. Um but hey, I think that the the Lions, to me, are the biggest threat in this division. More than the Bears, more than the Packers. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Here's the absolute nightmare scenario. The Bears trade down to four with Chris Ballard. You got to remember, Chris Ballard and Ryan Poles used to work together. There's already a pre-existing relationship there, so it makes sense. We watch quarterbacks go one, two, three. Bears get one of Anderson or Carter, and then here's where it gets tricky. Here's where it gets a little weird. The Seahawks at five do something wild and take Anthony Richardson to groom behind Geno Smith because then not only do the Vikings have to worry about who the Bears just picked, but the Lions at six will be sprinting to the podium for whichever one of those top two defenders is left. And now the NFC North just added the best two defensive linemen in the entire class. And now we got to figure out how to stop them four times a year for the next decade plus. That's the nightmare of just all nightmares nobody's really talking about because the Lions are very close. If somebody in the top five does something goofy, then one of those two blue chip defenders might fall in the Lions' lap. Nobody wants that, I promise you. And it may, again, just seem far-fetched now. But I promise you on draft night, plenty of more wilder things have gone down. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities. More realistically, they'll probably go cornerback. Christian Gonzalez, Oregon, Devin Witherspoon, Illinois, team up with Jeffrey Okuda. The real wild card of this entire round one, though, Sam, where does Bijan Robinson go? Could the Lions let Jamal Williams walk and draft the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley at number six or maybe even number 18? That's going to be something to watch very, very closely. Bottom line, though, Bears and Lions, they're just loaded with picks, man. And if the Packers do trade Rodgers, you would assume they will be too. So look for a lot of just new, young, emerging talent entering the NFC North next season while the Vikings and Kwesi, they just got to figure out how to make do with what little picks they've got or they got to find a trade partner to move back, stock back up. I can't wait to see how it all shakes out, Sam. Ten more weeks to break it all down, Sam. I love these Tuesday draft episodes with you in the meantime. I just got to say, I love it. It's so fun. 
Um, and you teach me something new every single day. Appreciate you, man. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Before we get too cheesy, get a little too weird. All right. That's a wrap today. It's Valentine's Day. (laughs) That's right. Fair (laughs) enough. All right. I'll give you one day. This is it. All right. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look up for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with our mailbag edition of the Football Party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out.